0: I'd like to read uh, Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. It's a long time since I've read these. It's no harm to read these every now and again. Exodus 20. And God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God." "'visiting the iniquity of the fathers "'upon the children unto the third and fourth generation "'of them that hate me, "'and showing mercy unto thousands of them "'that love me and keep my commandments. "'Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, "'for the Lord will not hold him guiltless "'that taketh his name in vain. "'Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor,' Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they were moved and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, to test you, that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not the people stood afar off and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was it must have been a frightening experience for the children of israel thank god we can approach god now through the lord jesus christ he has become and he is our mediator. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for many. And we can come because of what Christ Jesus has done. He has opened up the way into God's presence. He is the way. These people were afraid to come into the presence of God, but through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have access. Into His presence, all those thou shalt nots, thou shalt nots, and there are a few thou shalt nots that I thought we would just quickly look at this morning uh, and see if we can learn something in a very short space of time. The first one was in in Genesis. The, I suppose the, the 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 most obvious one. The very we might as well start at the first one. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, God placed them there, and he gave them one rule. He said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And isn't it strange, you know, there was Achan, the story of Achan with the children. When we're told not to do something, we had the story a few weeks ago with the children, the guy had the birthday party for the boys the two boys do you remember and he says don't take the lid off that uh, bowl in the middle he gave them all the cream buns and all the ice cream and everything they wanted and he went out of the room and he says don't touch that bowl in the middle and there was a fan going and they couldn't resist it and they lifted the lid of it and the bowl was full of feathers the feathers blew all over the sticky buns and things they were told not to do something and it's just within ourselves that's the trouble we have a desire always to do Paul said the great apostle he said the things that I want to do I, I don't do and the things that I don't want to do those things I do because there's something inside us that's called sin and we do the things that are wrong and Adam and Eve God says don't And they did. Thou shalt not. And sin entered into the world, And death by sin. So that death falleth upon all men. For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Don't. Eat that. And they did. But you know Satan came along. And he said. You shall not surely die you shall, don't believe God for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods God said don't and Satan came along and said don't mind God don't believe him he only knows that you're going to be like him you're going to be a god you're going to be like gods if you do that And they listened to the voice of Satan, and sin entered into the world. They listened. They yielded to temptation. And as soon as they had eaten it, they knew that they had done wrong. They didn't become as gods. They fell from that relationship with God that we all desire. And the only way that relationship could be restored was by Jesus Christ becoming man so that we could become sons of God. And I just put this in because the way things are going in the world today, the world is, is, is drifting away into uh, false teachings. And I was looking at the, 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 the Roman Catholic Catechism, the New Catechism, which the Pope says is, if you read it, you will understand how the, the Roman Catholic faith and what it is. And it's a very bad copy of this. But here's what they said about that same thing. Satan said, if you do that, you'll become gods. And here's what the Catechism says. The Son of God became man so that we might become God. And amazing. This is an exact copy. For the Son of God became man so that we might become God the only begotten son of God wanting to make us sharers in his divinity assumed our nature so that he made man might make men gods what did Satan say he says if you eat this you shall be as gods and here's the same lie being produced again Jesus came that we might be made the sons of God, not gods. Isaiah says that there is only one God, and there will be no gods before him or after him. No, we say here that we shall become gods. What does 1 John 3 flick through the Bible? We're going to be flicking around a little bit. 1 John chapter 3. And these are very serious things that are being taught today. Behold what manner of love hath the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are ye the sons of God. And it does not let yet appear what we shall be, but when we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We don't become gods, we become into that relationship as a son of God. To As many as received him, to those gave he power, the other verses, to those gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And I I don't want to major on this particular thing this morning, but there again, there's another one which we could look at. Thou shalt not, in Exodus 20 and verse 4 and 5, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, thou shalt not bow thyself down to them, Satan wanted, uh, bow down to them. You see, Satan wanted, when when our Lord was being tempted, Satan wanted him to bow down. If you worship me, all this will be yours, Satan said to Jesus when he was tempting, tempting him in the in the wilderness. Thou shalt not make to thyself any grave and image, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. And there was an interesting article in, in Time magazine recently, well a year or so ago, and here's a quotation from it. Among all the women who have ever lived, the mother of Jesus Christ is the most celebrated, the most venerated. Among Roman Catholics, the Madonna is recognized not only as the Mother of God, but also according to modern popes, as the Queen of the Universe, Queen of Heaven, Seat of Wisdom, and even the spouse of the Holy Spirit. Time Magazine. And you know, this goes right back to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 7 and verse 18, we talk there about the Queen of Heaven. This is nothing new. The Queen of Heaven was something which uh, was worshipped in, in Jeremiah, and they made... They made we spoke about this ages ago. They made hot cross buns, the equivalent of hot cross buns uh, for the Queen of Heaven. If you go back to, let's look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah 7. There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. And, and, and really, the more you look into these things, the more you realize it. Jeremiah 7 and verse 18. The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes. To the Queen of Heaven and pour out drink offerings onto other gods and they provoke me to anger. They made these round moon shaped uh, bun- buns and offered them to the Queen of Heaven and we have Christianized it by putting a little cross over the top of it. That's where hot cross buns come from. Because they originally were made to the Queen of Heaven. And in this respect there are many many other nations that have a female god, Egypt, and she was called Athol. In Tibetan China they have one. In Greece they called her Hestia. In Rome she was called Juno. And there is this cult of worshipping the Queen of Heaven all over. And it involves many, many religions. And we have been thinking recently about this one world religion which is going to come in and you can see it happening again and again how could we possibly have all these religions worshipping together it may be through the worship of this female goddess that they may all be able to be joined up the Roman Catholics have 971 million people and they have a female God. The Eastern Orthodox Church also worshiped the Queen of Heaven, 164 million. got these figures recently. Buddhists have there are various sects of the Buddhists who worship a female God, and there are uh, over one billion Buddhists. Hinduisms, uh, they have female gods. The God of Calcutta is a female god, Cal, a God a goddess who, who requires blood sacrifices. Japanese religions have female gods. The tribal religions have female gods. And although the, 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 the Muslims don't have female gods, they still venerate the Virgin Mary in the Quran. In this Time article it pointed that out. So we have millions of people who worship female gods. And the, 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 the Roman Catholics and the, the Muslims they now agree that they worship the same God and I put these down I, I t- took the standard so that you would see that I wasn't making it up the plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the creator in the first place amongst whom are the Muslims they profess to hold the faith of Abraham and together with us they adore the one merciful God mankind's judge on the last day They worship the same God as the Muslims, they say. But the Muslims say, Allah has no son on the mosque in Jerusalem. It's on the top of the mosque in Jerusalem that Allah has no son. But yet the the, the Catechism says, we worship the same God as the Muslims. It's all a bit strange. If you add in the number of Protestants who, who seem to regard Mary as worshipful, we have 4,500,000,000 people who have this female worship. Strange isn't it? All joining together to worship a female and God says, I am a jealous God, I will not give my glory to another, I will not give my glory to another. He's the one who is the only one we should worship. I will not give my glory to another. He is a jealous God. (coughs) Well, the other few thou shalt nots that I brought in was ones that I thought were uh, more practical, perhaps, from our point of view in everyday living. In Exodus 34, it says, Thou shalt not Uh, Exodus uh, 34 Thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifices with leaven This was to do with the Passover And the, the sacrifice of the lamb was not to be offered with leaven And whenever leaven is mentioned in the Bible Leaven talks about sin Sin Anywhere leaven is mentioned it's to do with sin and that's why when they were to have the Passover meal, they were to have it without leaven. The bread was to be unleavened bread, because leaven was a picture of sin. And so the bread they were to eat the lamb with was to be unleavened bread. And in fact, even to this day, they have a ritual where they search the houses in Jewish houses when they're having the Passover to get the house rid of leaven. To make sure there's no yeast, no leaven in the house. It's one of these things that they, they have formed into a ritual practically. Get rid of the leaven. And he's saying, when you're offering a sacrifice to me, don't mix it. And that is what God wants of each one of us. When we come to him and offer ourselves to him, when we offer anything we do to him, make sure it is separate from anything sinful. Keep the profane away from the holy. That's what he's saying. And that was the trouble with Israel all through their history. They mixed the two things. They thought they could do a little bit of that, half foot in one camp, and a little bit of something in the other camp. Mixing the two together. We can't do that. We have to live lives which are holy, separate from sin. That's what Paul tells us, separate. Don't mix. What we said last week, uh, what uh, connection has the righteousness with unrighteousness? We have to keep the two things separate. We have to keep it separate. God said, thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven. And that applies to you and to me in our everyday lives. Keep yourselves unspotted from the world. doesn't mean, as we said last week, it doesn't mean that we're to be isolated. It means we're to be insulated. We're to be lights in the world. Another very practical thing. In Leviticus it said, and when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. God was always on the side of the poor. And we as Christians should always remember those who are less fortunate than ourselves. We, should, we had our missionary offering last week, which would be going out to India or someplace like that, to help relieve poverty and to help the preaching of the gospel and god had so many laws and rules within the old testament if you read them how the poor were to be protected how the widows and the orphans were to be protected and this was just one little example i put in here he says when you go into your fields don't don't cut all the corners don't go into all the corners the bits and pieces and make sure you get everything when you when you take the fruit off your trees and you bang the trees and the fruit fruit, fruit fall Don't go over it again. You go in the next day and say, oh dear, there's a couple of more pairs. I should have got those last week. Don't take them down. Leave them for the people who are coming who are going to be poor. It was a great idea. And they they had these years of jubilee when when land went back to the, the people that had the original leasehold of it. It was leasehold in those days, not much freehold. God always wants us to be in remembrance of those who are less fortunate than ourselves. It's an onus, it's, it's onus. If you give to the poor, Psalm says, it's like lending to the Lord. And He'll pay you back. Not like these prosperity preachers in America, you won't be getting ten times what it is maybe. But you'll be getting, He won't see you, you, my God shall supply all your needs For those of us who have, be sure that we don't forget the poor. And here was a good one, I thought. Thou shalt not have in thy bag divers' weights, a great and a small. Let's read the full thing. Thou shalt not have in thy bag divers' weights, a great and a small. Thou shalt not have in thine house divers' measures, a great and a small. But thou shalt have a perfect and just weight. A perfect and just weight, a measure shalt thou have, that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. For all that do such things, all that do so uh, do unrighteously, are an abomination unto the Lord. He was thinking about the fellows who uh, had uh, in in their shops different weights, different weights for when you're buying than when you're selling. You know. And it's to do with our business and our our lives, our business lives and how we behave with other people. We have to be strict in our business dealings and honest in our tax dealings. All these things. Remember Aiken. He forgot to look up. God can see the, 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 the different weights, the different balances we have in our lives. Do we have a different balance when we're talking about spiritual things than those when we go outside the door and we start talking about material things? Have we got different principles? Or are our principles the same, whether, whatever we're dealing with, whether we're dealing with spiritual things or whether we're dealing with material things? It's a very practical thing, this. thou shalt not have two weights in your bags. Well, it's going round, and they were maybe buying goods from people. When they were buying them, they weighed them with certain weights, and you know, that's why when you, when you look at any of these old measures, these old pub measures and in measures, you'll see that there's a little mark on them. And the little mark is a crown with the Queen's uh, head on it. It'll be maybe Victoria or a Georgian or something like that. If you look at them, you'll see them. They've got little measures around the side. And they'll a little... little that's because the assay the office has gone into the pub and he has checked the, the, the measure And he has put the king's or the queen's head on it. And the way we act and behave in our everyday life should have the king's head on it. That should be our standard. How we act in our business and in our social life. And a much more comforting one, is Psalm number 91. It's a lovely psalm. Psalm 91. He that abideth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor by the arrow that flieth by day. Oh, the psalmist was realized that if we put our lives completely into the hands of God, if we entrust our lives to him, if we hand over the the running of our lives to him, then we have that thou shalt not be afraid not that you mightn't be or that you may be he was definite, wasn't he? if we put our faith and trust in God then we can say with the psalmist, we shall not be afraid of the terror by night or for the noisome pestilence And lastly, in Revelation 3 and 3, we have the different letters which were written to the, the seven churches. And the one which was written to a church in Sardis, it said, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent, if therefore thou shalt not watch. I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come Upon thee. This church had the reputation of for being an alive church, but in fact it was dead. And we were talking about this on the way in. And uh, I was listening to uh, a video a while back of a friend of Jacob's, and it was the chap said uh, he had relations who lived who were in this dead church, and he said not nothing against the Presbyterians, but he said they were Presbyterians, and he said to them. Uh, you'll be all right in the rapture and uh, they said why he says because the dead in Christ will rise first <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But here was a church that thought they were alive, but in fact he said you're dead Because they weren't watchful and he said they had to do certain things he said you have to repent To Come to God and ask him to forgive us. And, you know, each of us, as we are members of church, we should make sure that we are not having the reputation of being alive, but in fact we're dead. He said, I have not found thy works perfect before God. Not many of us could say that our works are perfect before God, but this particular church, he said, I have not found thy works perfect. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. Remember the privileges we have. Remember the teachings we've had over many years from godly men. And hold those things fast and repent that we haven't held them fast in the past. And he says, if you don't watch, we're all to be on our guard. Jesus said to the disciples when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he he said, stay a while. And I want to go over there and pray. When he came back, he found them asleep. He said, could you not watch one hour? We are meant to be watching and looking unto Jesus, expecting him to come back at any time. This isn't talking about the second coming or anything like that. It's just he, he was going to come and close the church down if they didn't, if they didn't obey. It's a solemn warning to each one of us. Let us watch. Let us not be caught by Jesus coming and closing us down. Hold fast. Repent. Remember the teachings we've had. Thou shalt not watch. Let us watch and pray. My aunt used to have a thing on the wall and it said his little motto: watch him pray and peg away and you know it, it's very true look unto Jesus keep on our guard stand having our the, the armour of God, using the whole armour of God and having done everything to stand and then to work for Jesus work for Jesus ever day by day serve him ever fault or never, Christ obey yield him service loyal true. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. Thanks very much.